When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Internet. Welcome back to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I'm a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. J.D., will there be learning? Yes, ma'am. Will there be science? Yes, doctor. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who'd be talking about this anyways? Woman, I said yes twice. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't say Real Psych is your your favorite podcast. It is your favorite podcast. It's my favorite podcast. It's my favorite podcast. Yeah. I just, you know, last week I said it's a new podcast and I was like, well... So, oh, did you? I totally missed that. I just called it new last week. So, <laughs> it uh, could be new to you, listener. It could be new to you. And if it is, welcome. Welcome. You know what you should do? You should hit that subscribe button <laughs> wherever you're watching or listening because you're going to love what we're about to do. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I am good. Uh, yeah, just a, a Tuesday. It's the day after Halloween. It is the day after Halloween. Uh, for those of y'all listening, this is a week late in an episode to to after to say this. But uh, last week's episode was a little bit late. Uh, I've had a bunch going on. I had to be traveling, as you could see on the on the video. I was in a different space, and life has gotten in the way. So this one's coming to you on time. But last week's was a little late, and I do want to just acknowledge for those who are just waiting for those gorgeous Tuesday episode drops. Yeah. We love you. We respect you. We love you. We respect you. You're important to us. Yes. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your passions. Um, I was away for a little minute and now I'm back. And I got to say, my dog sure does be good. (laughs) She's so good. I love her. You had somebody watching her? Yeah. My friend David. Uh, watched her and had a lovely time with her. We had a gorgeous little moment. Although, fun fact, uh, he bought these dog treats that are like meatball dog treats. Mm. She loved them. And he was like, but they give her the toots. And I was like, well, you know, dog treats sometimes are not always whatever. what they do. In the ingredients on these dog treats, onions <gasps> and garlic. No. Toxic to dogs. Yeah. Literally like toxic that's very, dogs. That's very basic level understanding. It blew my mind. In the ingredients on the package for dogs. Wow. I was like, this is rude. Wow. So I'm not going to call out the brand because of how wide our listenership is. I don't really want to mess with their bottom line. But <laughs> I do want to say, don't buy your dogs meatball treats. 
Um, or check those ingredients because you can't just assume, right? That because they say they're for dogs, that they're actually okay for dogs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So should we just get into this movie? Should we just right. go for it? Should let's we just, just go nuts? Let's just talk about it because this movie, few was long. I forgot how long. How do children watch this movie? This movie is two hours and yeah. 22 minutes long. It's like a Judd Apatow film. It is like that. It's like a Scorsese. <laughs> freaking long. Spielberg. Spielberg went for it and was yeah. like, mm, I think it's fine. Did you know this has a like 29% on Rotten Tomatoes? Are you serious? Yeah, I was offended. Y'all, we can't be trusting Rotten Tomatoes. No. I mean, no. listen, my, like, the, re- the the moment I realized you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes when it was, was when I looked up the movie Enough. With it, J-Lo? It, with Jennifer Lopez, who we stand <laughs> on we this We love her. It has like a 13. No. And I was like, no. That's that first of all, that's misogynistic. I the misogyny. I, I couldn't believe it. I was so upset. And I just immediately refused to what ever did marry me get? Tomatoes ever again. I'm okay. That one maybe deserves a 13. <laughs> but yeah, you can't trust movies like uh like Dumb and Dumber, I think, has like a really, really low. So it, it's one of those things that it, it's like an amalgamation Stupid. of critique, which, mm. um, yeah, I appreciate that they have like an audience score and a critic score. Yeah, they do try to differentiate, and the the that was the critic score twenty nine. Yeah, it all, I'm sure the audience score was ten thousand. <laughs> My old boss used to be like, um, "Oh yeah, we went and saw that movie. I I didn't like it, but we went to see it because it had ninety seven tomatoes." <laughs> It had 97 tomatoes. You can't argue with that. Care for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this movie, what's it about? What happens? This one is long. So we're going to have to go. Yeah. I think we got to skip. Go, go high level. I, yeah. Okay. So this is like a retelling, right? It's Hook, but it's a Peter Pan universe. Metaverse <laughs> situation. It's in the Peter Pan multiverse. Yeah, multiverse. The Peter Pan cinematic universe. We see Robin Williams. He plays Peter Banning or something. Yeah, and, Peter Banning. And he is all grown up and has a family and is in mergers and acquisitions and, you know, very like stressful job, but kind of crushing it at work. And he's married yeah. to, um, he's married to Mora. Mora. Mora, I I couldn't. I felt like they were saying Moira at times. I thought it was Mora. I think I was confused about. It's fine. Anyways, Mora and her grandmother is Wendy. OG Moira Angela Darling. Yeah. Um. Oh, whole whole family. Is that her middle name? So was I just? So Moira is Wendy Moira Angela Darling. Okay. Okay. So that's where I got it confused. Yeah. And I knew I heard it somewhere, but um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, he's crushing it as a businessman and fucking it up as a dad. He yeah. is on the phone during his daughter's play where she plays Wendy and Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. He completely misses his son's baseball game yeah. where he strikes out and that's how they lose. 
they're flying to England for something for and, Christmas or the holidays or something. And yeah, he hasn't been there in 10 years. Um, yeah. And yeah, so he's just like, yeah, he like screams at his kids at one point because he's yeah. on the phone. You can just see he's I'm really on the phone not, of my life. <laughs> he is not doing a good job as a dad. No, his kids, he's mean. his kids are just like begging for attention and, and they're being kids and they're being kids and they're adorable. Yeah. And, oh, and he's afraid to fly. Yes. You're yes. Okay. We had a text conversation about this and I was like, what? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. He's afraid to fly. It's like a pretty, we'll talk about it. It was like, yeah, yeah even I, on the plane, he like gets stressed out because like panic his son, his son is uh, playing with a baseball. I like how he's like, you're going to break a window. Not like you're disturbing all of these people who are yeah, sleeping. Not like you're being a butthole. Yeah. <laughs> he's making a lot of noise, throwing a yeah. baseball around in an yeah. airplane. Um, but he's like very nervous that he's going to break a window. And yeah. like he's gonna get sucked out of the airplane, and he's you're very uncomfortable. You're going to be sucked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They get to England. Uh, they get in, and Wendy comes down the stairs, and she's all old and frail. And Dame really, Maggie like, Smith aged up. Dame Maggie Smith, like yeah. really aged up. Dame Maggie yeah. Smith. And Jack explains what he does as a job, where his company goes in and buys vulnerable companies, and then like sells them off. In small ways, right? Mm-hmm. And she goes, Peter, you've become a pirate. I loved that line because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that is what that job is. That is what that job is. Yeah. Um, And then they all go to celebrate Wendy, who's had a, a home for orphans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's supported orphans and has done, you know, a lifetime of charity work for orphans. And she, uh, there's while they're celebrating her, the kids get, Liam Neeson's daughtered. They're taken. They're- <laughs> and uh the police come in. Phil Collins shows Phil up Collins, as one of the police. Yeah. There's, There's a lot of cameos. Yeah, the cameos in this are like no joke. Uh and they're all freaking out and they can't find them. And and Toodles is there. That's all we need to say about Toodles yeah. until the end. <laughs> and then Peter. Uh, has a glint of light come in and it like punches him and moves him around and then it's Tinkerbell. Yeah. And she Julia Roberts. They have it's Julia Roberts and she they have an argument. She flies him to Neverland in a in a little kid's like tent thing. Yeah, because I, I think she she's uh so like Captain Hook has kidnapped his children. There's yeah. a note on the door. Yeah. Peter has like no memory of who this even is. And when Tinkerbell comes, has no understanding, doesn't believe in fairies. Yeah, uh, you that's know, right. has... when the kids are taken as well, there's a note from Captain James yeah. Hook. And Wendy does say to him, the stories are real. He tries to tell him and he's like, what are you talking about, lady? You saved... Yeah, you saved me and I got adopted yeah. and that's my life. I have no memories from before I was 13 and that's fine and normal and yeah. I have no opinion on that. Great thing to talk about as we continue on with this podcast. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So then Tinkerbell kidnaps him, basically, like wraps him up in a blanket and is like, you got to get to Neverland. You got to save your kids. Yeah. Gets there, drops him in the middle of all these pirates where you hear Captain Hook, played by Dustin Hoffman, and mm-hmm. Smee, played by Bob Hoskins. Both of them brilliant in this movie. Yeah. Uh, announce they've stolen Peter Pan's children. Yes. 
And then Peter uh, like fights out and he's like, those are my kids. And he's like, great. If you can fly to them, you can have them. Right. Cause he, he sees keeps- how he sees how like, who is this person? Like this can't possibly be the same Peter first. He's like old. And also he just seems to have absolutely no, right. Who is this? You know, my, where is my worthy adversary? Yeah. yeah. There is a nice uh, character development moment where you see him kill Glenn close in a cameo, mm-hmm. sticking her in a box full of scorpions. Yeah. The boo box. <laughs> and uh, Peter can't do it. Uh, he's like super disappointed because he wanted his great and worthy opponent to come yeah. back and fight him. And this like businessman has shown mm-hmm. up and Captain mm-hmm. Hook is upset. So Tinkerbell cuts a deal where she says, give him three days to get in order and he's going to come back and fight you for his kids. And Captain Hook is like, mm, fine. So yeah. he agrees. They launch him off the thing. Mermaids kiss him on the mouth so he can breathe. That's science. <laughs> and then and then the he gets dumped into the middle of the Lost Boys who are like, who is this old man? Yeah, not into it. And he's trying, you know, to say that he's Peter, but he also still doesn't believe that he's Peter Pan. But Tinkerbell is trying to, like, advocate for him. But they're all like, this guy is an old fuddy-duddy and has no business being here. And he agrees. And he agrees. And there's this whole, like, they draw a line and say, like, you know, who who believes this is Peter or not? And there's one cutie little kid who like looks at his face, like pushes his skin back and is like, oh, there you are. There you are, Peter. Which like, good Lord, if I met somebody from my childhood and they like moved my sagging skin to be like, (laughs) there you are, JD. I'd be like, I'm gonna get that like, Facelift immediately. Yeah. Like that that Tomorrow. would not for me. Like literally yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah. I'd be in trubs. So then they, it's like a montage. Of, it's like, like a, a montage a, of a training montage. Yeah. He's got to learn to fly, f- fight. He's got to learn to fly. He's got to learn to crow. And he's going to try to do it for his kids. Um, oh, also Rufio. There's, there's a head lost boy, Rufio, that is just. One of the like most seminal characters of our childhood, like totally. Rufio, is like yeah, never not a good Halloween costume. For yeah, like, absolutely. Anybody, if I ever saw somebody show up in a good Rufio, I would be like done. Yeah, yeah, you 100%. win hundred percent. You win. So Rufio is very opposed because he's the he's the big cheese these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to do the things and they're trying to teach him to fly and they're trying to teach him to whatever and it's not working and it's not working and he's so hungry and they have this dinner mm-hmm. and at the dinner he's he can smell the food and it smells amazing and then they all open the lids of everything and there's nothing there and all the kids are eating this like imaginary food and he's like what yeah uh i'm sorry what yeah and they're like, you've got to believe it in order to, to eat it. And he's like, Ugh, giving up. And then he and Rufio get in this big fight. And he finally starts to like plug in to this world. And he calls him a rude, crude, lewd, sack of pre-food chew dude. <laughs> and a paramecium brain. Yeah. All the kids are like, bang, bang. And he's actually starting to like make some ground. And then he's like, uh... Rufio, you're a whatever, 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 and you can't fly. And then he flings imaginary food in his face and it hits him. And you're like, <gasps> it clicks. It clicks. And they're like, you're doing it, Peter. 
And all they eat is like rainbow Play-Doh. It's it's Cool Whip with food coloring in with it. With like mashed potatoes. I don't know what it is, but it's all different it colors. And yeah, then there's a big food fight and you see Peter really like give in to the imagination and the creativity and like this whole scene. And from there, you know, he's able to fight again. And then right. there's, he's working on flying and Tinkerbell helps him with that. Of just like, what's his happy thought? It's his yeah. children. And all the meanwhile that he's in his growth montage, mm-hmm. Captain Hook is working real hard on his son, Jack. And Captain Hook has decided to brainwash Jack to be his son now instead of. Yeah. Well, it's like, how Peter can Pan's I really son? get to Peter Pan? Really this is like Pan. a plan by Smee. His son. Yeah. Yeah. Make them love you. And Maggie, the daughter, refuses and is not having it. Which, by the way, like women you know like <laughs> this is she just like goes and sings feminism. a song no one messes with her feminism yeah she does whatever the hell she wants on that ship yeah she's literally just like you're a mean man who doesn't have a mommy like, yeah burn i'm gonna go sing this solo and yeah just to live my life yeah it's not even a musical really but she's a star yeah she um anyways so all the while he's working to brainwash Jack and and also like Captain Hook is going through his own sort of like emotional crisis. There is some like weird suicidality. Yes. We're not going to spend too much time on today, but it is like notable that there is a scene where he sort of almost attempts suicide and says, don't you dare try to stop me. Don't you dare try to stop me. Try to stop me. Get up <laughs> off your ass and try to stop me. <laughs> me. He does this like whole thing. But um, he's definitely like, you know, there's there's definitely like he's like depressed because he doesn't there's no great adventures left for him which is why he wants to um kind of revive revive this uh yes like war that he has with peter pan yeah he does so peter uh in the process of his own thing figures out finds the old tree that they used to live in when it was Wendy and John and Michael and, yeah. and Peter and the other lost boys in Peter's day. And he sort of unlocks his childhood memories mm-hmm. through this tree. Mm-hmm. And he remembers being a baby and he remembers running away as a baby, which is like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. not how that works. But also like it's a movie where people fly. So I guess mm-hmm. babies can run away. Um, <laughs> and he remembers like, Wendy being there and he would come every spring for Wendy, but she just gets older and older. Great Gwyneth Paltrow cameo. Yeah. Actually, I believe this is her first movie. Yeah, um, that makes sense. She's so young. She's so young. Peter. <laughs> Peter. And then Maggie Smith. I'm old, Peter. Um, I've grown up. Uh, and then he falls in love with her daughter. No, granddaughter. Yeah, her granddaughter, Mora. Yeah, she mm-hmm. got real old. Yeah. Um, and uh, kisses he, her while she's asleep. No consent. Her while she's asleep. Hashtag consent. Yeah. And then he decides to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an interesting thing that uh, this is just. I'm gonna fact check this movie a little bit and just say like it's weird that like you don't get older when you live there. But he came as a baby and now he's like 13. I know. I have the same exact thought of like, is there just an like a, a point where they would stop growing, even if they go. Th- Cause 
by the rules of what I thought Neverland operated under, he would stay a baby if he went there as a baby. Yeah. I mean, Captain Hook seems to be aging slowly. Yeah, it's it's but like maybe he was always an old man. Maybe well. just time goes by slowly. I don't understand. I that was another thing is I don't understand how time works because I wasn't sure how long Mora had been like mourning her kids. She's right. Like she was like it looks I don't like know. it's like I guess it's still winter, so hopefully only a few weeks. Yeah. For days. But it was three days, right? Is that in, what it was? In three ne- well, three days oh, in, in Neverland. Neverland. Yeah. yeah. And it seems, you know what? We don't know how time works. We'll now. bring uh, like an, some sort of like hypothetical quantum physicist in here to to talk about the, the ways Ant-Man. that time can overlap. We'll bring Ant-Man in quantum mania. <laughs> um, anyways, theoretical physics, we'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. But so he learns how he re- re- gets all this stuff back and then remembers the moment that his son was born. That's mm-hmm. his happiest thought. Mm-hmm. He can fly. He can mm-hmm. fly. He can fly. He can fly. He can fly. He can fly. <laughs> uh, that's from the Disney movie. Um, anyways, so then he's like, I got to go get my kid. Well, also, there's a weird moment where he like forgets that he has kids. He's like so connected to this like memory now that he's like, Peter Pan's got kids. Yeah, he's Peter Pan got kids. He's got some like dissociation between these two. Yeah. Pieces of himself. It is. You know, we could talk about DID here, but we're not going to. Dissociative identity to. disorder. Yeah. Um, but we're not. Uh, so he then is like, I gotta go get my kids. Oh, first Tinkerbell hits on him. Ugh. Yeah. Julia Does Roberts this movie pass the Bechdel big. test? I mean, no. I don't it's think always it's always about does. Peter. Yeah. They're always at least talking about their dad. Yeah. I mean, but there as is. As we've said, Fun Home by Alison Bechtel does not pass the Bechtel <laughs> test. So uh, it does uh, pass the Bartkin test, which oh is uh, just like a number of people of color with lines that actually influence the, the plot and matter. Mm. It does pass the Bartkin. Did we have test. this conversation before about Bartkin? Uh, I I for a second thought that you and I had combined our last names and made up a, a test. That's what and I just did. I know, but I forgot what our test was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that. No, that's what's happening. I know. Um, I forgot. Yeah, that's the. I Bartkin forgot we test. had done that. Mm-hmm. That's a good um, test. It's a good test. The Bartkin yeah. test. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and this one does actually pass the Bartkin test, which considering the year that it came out, I know it's like the 90s. So it's like, oh, well, you know, it's but honestly, like, impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Um, And so. um, He goes, he fights for the kids. Uh, There's a bunch of like, he wins. And then he's like, let's walk away. And then Captain Hook is like, and then he's like, I win. And then he like goes to walk away. And Captain Hook is like, he kills Rufio. And Rufio says, I wish I had a dad like you. (sighs) And then Jack is no longer like confused. Right. Uh, It's like this movie, this man murders children. Like, yeah, this is not like a fun. Not even in a fun way. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just feel like I watched this as a kid and should have been more traumatized. Yeah, it's like an adult killing kids. Yeah. Um, and they show up with like eggs. Yeah. There's like pirates with guns and swords, and they're like eggs. Yeah, that they and make like it look like it's a machine sticky gun. Slingshot balls. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um, so blah 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 blah. This all happens. Captain Hook tries one more time to get him. He uh, is very scared of clocks. They all scare him out with clocks. He sticks his hand in the crocodile. Y'all know the story of Peter Pan. Sticks his hand in the crocodile. Pulls it out. The crocodile lands on him. He disappears. Peter sends his kids on to go back. Uh, then gives the sword to... I don't know his name. Uh, Did I just fail the Bartkin test? No, no, no. It's something like... Um, mud butt or something. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Pugsley, but that's Adam's family. <laughs> it's literally something like mud butt. Anyways, he's real sweet and he's cute. so cute. It's it's a cute movie. He gives him the sword. He's in charge of the Lost Boys. Peter flies home magically. He loves his kids and he hates work. Yeah, and he's like grown up. Uh, but like in the good way, he's like, mm -hmm. he's like re reverted to his childhood, uh, but in a healthy way. Um, it's sort of the anti Mrs. Like, Doubtfire. I feel like... <laughs> yeah. Where definitely. he's like such a kid and then he has mm -hmm. to like learn to like grow up. And in this one, he's like such an adult and then he has to learn to be a kid. Yeah. Both lots of fun dress up. Yeah. Totally. And being not the best husband, but that's like a separate thing. <laughs> I, he's rude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Toodles gets his marbles back. He can fly now. And it's like, yay, magic is real. And we're the Peter Pan family. Yeah. My dad's Peter Pan. Uh, and then he went on to do Can't Hardly Wait. That's where that kid is from? That kid's in Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Jack. Um, all right. How'd you feel about the movie? I mean, I I love it. I feel like it's so interesting to watch it through our lens because like a ton of stuff came up for me of like what we could research and talk about. A ton. Yeah. So I well, I don't want to give it away. We'll we'll take a little yeah. take a little break. We will. I you know, I, I will say like this movie when it came out, I remember I mean, I was very young, but I just remember like everyone saw it. Mm -hmm. everyone was talking about it it was so beloved this movie mm -hmm. like imagine someone our age who's like oh yeah i've never seen hook you'd be like what yeah it's it's such a part of like our i don't know it feels like such a part i've seen it so many times so many times yeah so many times because it like it's spielberg but also all of the acting in it is fantastic. It's fun. It's whimsical. It's like, there's just so much. Yeah. There's so much. We, when it came to researching, had so many options. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to take a break here. But when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about some Stockholm syndrome. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about memory after traumatic experiences childhood memories <laughs> and then we're also just going to talk about like the importance of imagination in yeah. the human mind so mm -hmm. stick with us we'll be right back be after right back. these massages <laughs> bye bye
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, we are back. We're back. We are back, everybody. Uh, So I'm going to kick us off with some of the research that I did on this movie. So... Mm I wanted to actually, rather than doing like studies and and things like that, I wanted to just spend some time talking about uh, sort of a broad psychological diagnosis that people know of, that Mm -hmm. people talk about often, Mm -hmm. which is Stockholm Syndrome. So I wanted to look into Stockholm Syndrome because Jack is kidnapped. He is then sort of reprogrammed by his kidnapper. this This is textbook. To side with him, like mm-hmm. this is very much um, Stockholm syndrome. So, how's about I go through a little bit of history about Stockholm syndrome? I'd love it. Uh, so, as as uh, the name Stockholm syndrome came from a 1973 bank robbery incident that happened in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, and in this there was a six day standoff with the police. And in this six days, which honestly maps onto this movie, yeah, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, many of the captive bank employees started to demonstrate sympathy toward the bank robbers. And then after they were set free, some of the bank employees refused to testify against the bank robbers in court and even raised money in their defense. So from this 1973, uh, this is where the term Stockholm syndrome was coined. So all it is essentially is a psychological response to being held captive, where people form a psychological connection to their captors and begin to show sympathy. Um, There are there, there, this sort of Stockholm syndrome can, can include other types of trauma now, Uh, where it doesn't have to necessarily be kidnapping, but basically in which there's a bond between an abuser and a person being abused. And so this is, um, you know, the the way that I always think when we've talked a lot about trauma on this podcast, but the way that I always think about this, and we'll talk more about it in in, uh, your research in a moment, um, this is a coping mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. So what this is, is a mechanism that we are that our brains like to use in order to survive that some people's brains like to use right not everyone in the Stockholm Sweden incident you know became sympathetic toward the captors but that it's a it's a thing our brains are using to survive trauma or abuse right um it's it's kind of like trauma bonding um the concept of learned helplessness um i there's another term that i really don't like um, that's called battered person syndrome, which I really don't love. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, when we talk about, um, the, the sort of the, the, the fight or flight response. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. 
So we've talked about this before on the podcast, but there's actually, it's not just fight or flight, Mm -hmm. right? So it's fighting, uh, fleeing, freezing, and I think just because of the F, it's a it, they use it, but fawning. Yeah. And so fawning is this kind of reaction. It is basically when you are engaging with your abuser, one of the easiest ways to digest the abuse that is happening is to start to believe that they need to do it, right? That mm-hmm. there is a reason why the person is doing this to you. And I think it's sort of tied into this just world hypothesis that we've talked about so much on this podcast, right? Like if we believe that the only reason that they're doing this to us is because they really, really have no choice, we now feel safer. Yeah. We now are able to sort of tie this into just this moment, Mm -hmm. just this experience. It doesn't mean the whole world could attack us. It means that if someone's going to do harm, it's only because they have good reason. Right. Um, in uh, domestic violence, this is a really common response, which is to believe like he's under so much stress, she's under so much stress. And so we form these these beliefs like, I wish I hadn't like provoked this response. I need to learn to do better, right? And again, I apologize if this is triggering even to, to sort of discuss this, but I want to name because it's very common that people, when you see someone in uh, an abusive relationship, our thought is like, just go, just get out. Right. Right. And our brains work really, really hard (laughs) to protect us. And this is a strange and unexpected way that uh, our brains are protecting us. And if you think about it, right, by, by working with and not against your abuser, you're likely to feel more secure, Right. When you're not being victimized by an abuser, you're then likely to feel grateful because Mm -hmm. they're not harming you. Mm -hmm. And so it might make it easier to process kindness over constant, persistent fear, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like energetically conserving, you know what I mean? Like if and and it's also there's this just world hypothesis, but there's also like the locus of control, right? So if you make it about you and what your actions are and like anticipating, you know, like thinking I provoked them or, you know, they're under a lot of pressure or like, you know, this is like something where you see people getting really good at um, predicting people's moods or like um, emotional states because it's protective for them to like, know when they need to like you know back off when you know like things like that and so but it also it's this assumption that gives the victim more control or perceived control over the situation Mm -hmm. um and and the way i think about like the fight or flight is sort of you know we're talking about the sympathetic nervous system this is like a Mm -hmm. a hormone uh response yeah it is an acute like short-term situational thing. And when we talk about Stockholm syndrome, it's really this more chronic, like takes days or, you know, longer to develop and becomes a relational kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like more than just your body's innate response. Right. It's kind of this chronic response or chronic coping with, with yeah. something like this. Yeah. 
Um, and there are varying levels of this abuse, right? There's, you know, really extreme ones. Like, I don't know, a pirate has kidnapped you as a child <laughs> and has made you believe that you're the son of that pirate, right? Where it's mm-hmm. very explicit. Um, and then there are others like coach athlete abuse mm-hmm. where people can start to feel so beholden to a coach because they believe their success is because of the coach. Mm-hmm. And so if the coach is hard on them, it's for your own good. And like these kinds of things. Um, I know lots of people who feel this way. Also, as y'all know, on this podcast, I love gymnastics and <laughs> gymnastics has a lot of stories of this. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of ways in which this um, can happen. So in terms of outlook prognosis, like what to do, uh, because this is a trauma response, a trauma-focused therapy is really, really effective, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we we started out talking, right? This is a coping strategy. So the more you can work with someone to understand that like what they did, right, was a coping strategy mm-hmm. and that they're not broken, they're not wrong, they didn't do, do this on purpose, you know, this is not their fault, any of those things, which is what we do in trauma therapy, right? Is really yeah. spending time, not just being told this isn't your fault, but right. like really spending time, a really common trauma response is like freezing, right? And people are like, why, why did I freeze? It's my fault because I didn't run more or it's my fault because I w- I was where I was when I was there. And that's yeah. my fault, right? And this is all that just world hypothesis. We need to believe that if we do things differently, we'll be safe. Yep. And so a lot of trauma therapy is really spending time holding two things. One, the fact that it is not your fault that this bad thing happened. And two, understanding that the world is not always safe, but we can seek safety, right? Mm-hmm. Finding ways to empower someone to find safe spaces and to engage in safe spaces because that is the is the empowering thing, right? Is the belief that if another bad thing happens, I will be able to survive it or 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 get past it. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Ugh. That was to- yeah, that it it's super interesting. And yeah, that was totally what was happening in this movie with Huge, yeah. What's this what was the son? Jack, right? Jack. The son. Mm-hmm. Have to save Maggie, have to save Jack. Hookie's back. <laughs> and so I I feel like a lot of what we didn't see and yeah. really the the lost boys as a group of individuals and child you know like mm-hmm. a group of children um you have to imagine that there are some like hugely traumatic and chronic traumatic yeah. experiences yeah. um happening there and so um, one of the things that I found they're really constantly being attacked by adult men with hooks for hands. I mean, their lives are in danger at all times. Their lives are in danger. No one's taking care of them. They have to like eat imaginary food. <laughs> they're like, you know, they're not. They take care of each other, but it's like there's also what I assume is the the circumstances under which they were taken to Neverland, mm-hmm. um, which I can't imagine were like, like that baby was kidnapped in my head when I saw that scene. I was like, he was just kidnapped to Listen, Neverland. He didn't. Hollywood he stars didn't run away taking children from parts of the whole world <laughs> for many years. So Julia Roberts just you know was all about it. Right. She was just yeah. Um, <laughs> like a no, mommy but- <laughs> 
but like yeah so you have to imagine if you really think about like these kids are all coming from what i can only imagine are like hugely traumatic backgrounds right yeah. if they did run away then that's there's also likely trauma there that made them want to run away like right. There's, there's, we don't know every child's backstory, but they're all like these trauma bonded little Mm -hmm. kids. And so I was really interested. And and another kind of um, clue that we see that suggests trauma is the fact that Robin Williams has no memory of his life from before he was 13. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's for the purposes of this movie and the blah, 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 but like, when something like that happens, you have to imagine that there could be trauma that is causing this loss of memory. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. what I was really interested in researching, basically like the impact of childhood abuse or childhood trauma and how yeah. that can impair memory. Now there's, yeah. this is like an act it's actually like a pretty broad field and it's also yeah. my dissertation was somewhat on this, like mm-hmm. how um, post-traumatic stress can impact memory. Mm-hmm. And so there's different types of memory. We've talked about this before, um, but really what we see here is like episodic or autobiographical memory that's impaired mm-hmm. with, with Peter. Right. He doesn't remember things about himself, but if mm-hmm. he's not really, you know, his, his ability to remember things or, you know, procedural, like, how to do things or uh, what things are like those seem fairly intact. Right. Right. And we see with these types of memory, like we call it semantic. So like what do things mean? Procedural, Mm -hmm. how to do things, working Mm -hmm. memory, how to use like short-term memory to accomplish tasks. Right. The, the impairments there in children who like have experienced trauma versus children who have not. Mm Mm-hmm. The literature is really mixed. It doesn't seem like there's any like evidence for just baseline impairments in -hmm. that type of memory. Um, Although when we talk about emotional memory or potentially triggering types of stimuli that you're showing, like in an experiment, if you're showing them uh, like, for example, I, I did research with military service members. And if we showed them combat scenes, that was that's where we saw some of these impairments emerge. Right, right. If you show them just normal images, that didn't seem to like be different based off of levels of, of trauma right. or post-trauma. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now when we talk about episodic or autobiographical memory, this idea of like repressed memories, mm-hmm. um, this is this is like a different type of memory. And there's kind of like two profiles of people. So one is, and and they're related to, but not the same as post-traumatic stress disorder and those kinds of symptom clusters that we've also talked about. Okay. Um, so like the big clusters in post-traumatic stress disorders, like hypervigilance, mm-hmm. re-experiencing, mm-hmm. Um, numbing, right? Mm-hmm. Avoidance. Mm-hmm. Is that, those yeah. are kind of the four. Yeah. Um, Negative outlook on the world. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. also like a dissociation kind of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can come up sometimes, but there's like a hypervigilant kind of group. If we're talking about memory specifically, there's, you know, they may have like super vivid memories of the trauma. Okay. Uh, maybe be more prone to re-experiencing, but basically um, they'll remember things with extreme detail, remember yeah. traumatic experiences with extreme detail um, to the point where 
you know, they'll have more kind of like quote unquote errors on laboratory tests. Like they'll remember things as traumatic that aren't traumatic. They're kind of overcorrecting almost. Right. They're very, their attention towards potentially traumatic things are like, it's very highly tuned out. Yeah. 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 Um, And so, you know, that's because your brain is literally wired to like evolutionarily, you want to remember traumatic experiences because you want to remember how to escape, yeah, yeah, (laughs) escape in the future. Right. So if you, if you are able to, you know, narrowly avoid capture by a tiger yeah, and then you want to remember what you did. (laughs) And so your brain is literally wired to capture uh, details of that event. Right more like yeah. partic- in vivid detail because yeah. that is the stakes are higher right? right and so this is like evolutionarily what we're talking about this is kind of the the like profile of of people that can kind of exist we see too like um with toodles for example who seems to have escaped neverland and has grown up. He's an old man, right. but he remembers yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. He's talking, you know, people think he's crazy, but he's talking very much about his past and Neverland very openly and very like he remembers stuff. So it's not like, you know, there there are definitely two types of people. <laughs> yeah. Um and then, you know, you have you have the kind of person that I think Peter falls under which is like using more other strategies or coping strategies to kind of uh, not remember mm-hmm. traumatic things. Yeah. And that can lead to memory loss of childhood memories. Right. And so um, we do see like these. So like there's some interesting kind of like catchphrases that came up like uh, repression, like in the Freudian sense, mm-hmm. right? Which is like that. I don't know that that's what's really happening here because just Freudian things in general seem to not be like super empirically supported. I mean, as the we, defense mechanisms we, overall are, are like, yeah. fine, sure. So yeah. like repression as a defense mechanism is like, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it's You're not like, going to go there because it's easier for you. Okay, sure. Right, but I think it's more related to like emotion regulation strategies, right? Yeah, which exactly. Is like, which is like, you know, avoidance, right? They may mm-hmm. be... um unwilling to talk about memories like trauma which means that they are less they're rehearsing that information less Mm -hmm. which means it is less likely to be retained in memory okay um so increased forgetting can happen if you like never rehearse information you never talk about it um and there's some evidence that suggests that those strategies are especially prevalent when the experiences are associated with self-blame helplessness um, even, you know, like repeated trauma, mm-hmm. but there's like, you know, it's more, uh, you may be more likely to cope in that way. Right. But there's also another, um, another kind of factor, which is attachment style, avoidant attachment style. Um, so there's like a study by Edelstein in 2005 that showed, um, Childhood abuse victims with low scores on avoidant attachment showed greater memory accuracy for cases of severe abuse, mm-hmm. whereas victims scoring high in avoidant attachment demonstrated poor memory for severe abuse. Right. So that may be like this critical factor for what's what kind of subtype you are. 
Yeah. Um, which I thought was really interesting because you do, you do see people like who have experienced trauma who like can re- tell you every single thing that happened. Every detail. They re- and it's, it's extremely accurate. It is extremely like, well, it's like reliable. It's is it reliable extremely or does it consistent. It, consistent. It's not, yeah. it's often inaccurate. And because yeah. some of that are like these memories, like we say, there's like blame involved. Mm, there's a lot yeah, of tone yeah. to a memory that like is, it may be accurate, but like the the events may be accurate, but the sort of context is so shifted, right? Where it's like, oh, I just froze. What could I have done? And it's like, so the memory now becomes about your freezing and not about like the mm, weapon yeah, yeah, yeah. that was being held to you. So you, right. so the, it, it's not perfect, but often the like episodic the parts consist- of it are, yeah, yeah. and it's, and it's a very consistent narrative. So to spend yeah. time with someone in therapy, like we go over the trauma narrative and then we try to inject some sort of new uh, uh, viewpoint on the same yeah. information. So it's not always accurate, right? Like people yeah, often yeah. remember child abuse as their fault, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, 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 no. So right. yeah. So it's not, it's often the event may be accurate, but the actual sort of circumstance and the judgment and the opinions and the the ownership and the blame is is often very inaccurate. Yeah, in that's a good, good distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also, you know, the the type of person who like has no is like, nope, nothing happened. And that can even be within like children oh. within the same family who yeah. have experienced similar abuse. And some children have no memory of certain things and other children, do, you know, it's like right. of the same event. And, um, well, some of it yeah. can involve like a dissociative response in the moment. So, right. Mm-hmm. We talk about feeding or we talk about, uh, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn sort mm-hmm. of the combination of flight and freeze is dissociate mm. where, which is a very common trauma response. And yeah. so people really might not remember Yeah, they never even like encode the information. They don't encode the information. I mean, memory, like the the relationship, and I mean, you know this way more than than anybody, but like the relationship between memory and trauma is so cyclical. They they are so uh, they're they're influencing each other so much because the way you remember what happened impacts whether you have a post traumatic stress response. Um, and so a lot of what PTSD like therapy uh, is about is like, let's hold these memories. I, I usually use a metaphor. I've probably said this on the podcast that like, if a memory is like a picture in a frame, uh, a, a traumatic memory is like you've shattered the glass and then you've put it away in a drawer. And now yeah. anytime you pull out that memory, you're going to cut yourself. Yeah. So until we take the time to really look at like how we can sort of straighten out the glass and put it together, the picture may always be distorted. It may never be a nice picture you want to look at. But mm-hmm. if we take the time, we may be able to at least make it a safe picture for you to have. And so that's kind of like how I think about that in general. <laughs> you're such a good therapist. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank that's you. that's so nice good. I that's love that. What I think about it as. Yeah, I love that. I think um, that's really what came to mind when I was watching this was just like, why does this guy have no memories? <laughs> well, I think he it, it's also I mean, it also makes sense, you know, outside of the trauma perspective of just like the ways in which we view like. Crazy people. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, I use this in quotes for those listening. Right. It is obviously a very pejorative term, but like the idea of saying like, oh, yeah, as a little boy, I could fly and I fought pirates. I'm Peter Pan. Totally. Is so 
grandiose and absurd that like that kid would be diagnosed probably with like some sort of delusional or psychotic disorder. Yeah, you know, and and that actually I think it does lead well into the last thing you want to talk about, which yeah. is the imagination of just like what what is just a function of losing childhood imagination and realizing yeah. how to like kind of conform to social norms and what is like actually this person experienced trauma and right. has like n- not no memory of childhood. No memory of childhood. So I really love the scene in the movie where um, he like, you know, imagines the food and they start mm-hmm. the thing and he's really able to like click into it because, you know, imagination, I think we often think of as just um, a childhood kind of thing, right? Having yeah. an imaginary friend or like imaginary play, playing pretend, you know, all of those things we think of as something children do. And yeah. it is a very normative thing to do. Um, most children develop pretend play at around 15 months of age. Um, so, you know, when they're doing that, they're playing out different scenarios or they're they're extending themselves beyond their own experience to practice making their way in the world, finding their place within it. They can then experience all these different emotions mm-hmm. based on imagination, right? Joy, excitement, awe, um, and and so imagination is an incredibly important part of our development. But, um, you know, one of the things that I really find interesting is like imagination also can play an incredibly important part in our adulthood. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, imagination is the mother of invention, right? Mm-hmm. So the only way that we as humans can progress is through imagining what does not currently exist. Yeah. And so like spending time in our minds in a space of imagination, in a space of the hypothetical and allowing ourselves to go really fully into that. I mean, um, we've talked a little bit, but not enough. And in fact, we'll talk some more about this soon. Uh, But the idea of like... um, mindful mindfulness meditation even like psychedelic experiences right which like Mm -hmm. i'm i have had uh psychedelic experiences without a single chemical substance in Mm -hmm. in me right in which i'm meditating and i am you know i've i've had this in once was in like a um a sound bath another time was while like a reiki healer was working on me where i had full visions Mm -hmm. of things going on and I was not detached from reality. I was able to like, if I had opened my eyes, I wouldn't have been like, where am I? You know what I mean? But the full, really complex, profound things can come to our mind when we allow ourselves into these spaces. And it can be such an incredibly important and like healing uh, thing. This is why, I mean... uh, so many um, of these, like I just named, right, a sound bath or or even like using psychedelic medications, things like that is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, that it is so attached to like, how do we sort of unlock our unconscious? And in this case, like our unconscious being like non-judgmental space for open thought. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. This is such a bigger conversation. It's a, and it's I, a huge conversation. Yeah. Because we also like... uh glorify these kind of innovators disruptors of industry these people who have 
and, and maybe eccentric and not adhere to kind of social norms. Yeah. You have incredible capacity for creative thought and imagination. Yeah. Kind of like change the world fundamentally. Yes. Um, and I just think that it's such an interesting like uh tension between like how do you function in society and also like allow yourself to you know, be creative and, and imaginative and, and engage with that kind of, it is like a higher level of, of consciousness. Yeah. Einstein actually said, um, I'm enough of the artist to draw freely upon my imagination. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. Mm. And I really love, I, I love, um, that this movie is so about that. It's so engaged in the concept of just free thinking mm -hmm. and realizing that like free thinking is especially with where we're at in politics in the world like once we really like you know there's so many people debating all of these things right and like they're you know the the sort of common thing is like if you go into a conversation with somebody with opposite opinions you know the thing to say is like what would you need to hear to change your mind and if they right. say there's nothing that can change their mind right then it then it's, there's no point right? Like mm -hmm. there's no purpose. And so like, just the, the realization that like, one of the things that really clicked me and this is when, in, when 2020 happened and all these things, uh, and we really sort of entered this phase of like really understanding like an anti-capitalistic world, which like, we're so in the zone of capitalism all the time that like, totally. I hadn't really extended myself and just somebody like, tweeted something stupid and funny, very not stupid at all, but quite funny because it really was a profound thing that made me think that was like, how is it that we're born onto a planet covered in food and somehow I ended up with a credit score? <laughs> yeah. And like that really like kind of shook me because I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, right? The, the ways in which we are living our lives is not how things have to be. It's just how right. they are. Yeah. And so like imagination, I think now, not more than ever, because, you know, I can't speak to ever, but now as much as any time, like it's so important to be really spending time in the hypothetical. Yeah. Spending time in the what ifs and in the possibilities. Yeah. And yeah, because it's so, you know, one of the things even like actually to go back to our last conversation about trauma, like one of the biggest things that we use in like trauma therapy is to reimagine a scenario. So like if someone's talking about um, a traumatic experience from their childhood to bring someone in where they felt safe and be like, what do you think would have happened if they had been there? Mm -hmm. And we let them walk through it in their imagination of what might've happened. And they start to realize that like the only reason that this happened is because they were, you know, they were isolated, right? The only reason yeah. this happened is because the people that they can seek safety with weren't there. Right. And so yeah. like, you can really use imagination to like heal so much of yourself and like yeah. open your mind to so many more things other than just like I'm an idiot or I'm stupid or I'm whatever right. and just be like maybe I'm fine right. and maybe there's some other things that aren't working yeah so I love imagination yeah and it's cool I mean to your point like that that is an important part of treatment and therapy too right mm -hmm. yeah I love that yeah ah what a good movie. This is a good, this is a better pick than I thought it was originally, if I do say so myself. Like I, I, I picked it because I just really liked this movie, but there's like a, a lot of stuff to explore here. We didn't there's, even talk about phobias. Oh yeah. 
Oh, and yeah, there's yeah. like, there's like, I mean, we, we won't get into it, but there's we like very, very obvious phobias yeah. with like Peter's fear of flying um, and with Hook's like fear of t- like clocks because yeah. of his traumatic experience with yeah. the alligator. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting. It's, it is very interesting. Lots, We're going to talk about phobias. Here. There's lots of phobia <laughs> stuff to be, to be discussed. Yeah. Um, I have a movie for us. Yay. Um, and it's a bit of a departure. Okay. Um, from where we've been before. Um, but I wanted to like spend some time in a world that I really love. Okay. Um, and so I picked a movie from 2018. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is. Long live the king, hero, legend. 2018. King, hero, legend, departure. But it's a departure for us, but it's in your... your, It's very much in my wheelhouse. Also very appropriate for next week. Okay. Okay. Something about elections. No. Um, it's not political. Nope. Okay, then what king. is next week? King. Long live the king. Okay. Hero. King and next hero. <laughs> and next week, one might even say he's such a good hero. He's a superhero. Oh, is it? Is it Marvel? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. No. Now I'm excited. Uh. What comes out next week? Oh, Black Panther. Yes. Yes. So we're okay, going to do okay, the first okay. Black Panther movie. Yes. Okay. This is great. Um, We've not done a superhero movie. I love. I I mean, I like them too. I've been to most of the Marvel movies I've seen in theaters have been with you. I love a Marvel movie. I really do. <laughs> I love a Marvel movie. Um. And yeah, I'm really, really excited. This movie that is I good. Think that's, is, that's timely stuff, too. It's timely stuff. I think there's so much to talk about. Um, I really think this movie, and we'll, we'll go into it next week. I think this movie is really important. Like, what? Yeah. Like, how amazing and cool it is to have had this. And this film made like a billion dollars or something yeah. crazy like that. It was like this hugely successful thing. So it was also just like successful as like, the entire main cast of this film is black, but also like black people in science fiction is like a, a long and historical thing. I'll provide a little bit of context and background yeah. um, next week, but um, it's important that, you know, what this film does in terms of, you know, making the most advanced and and brilliant nation in the world, a black tribal culture is like yeah. very, very cool. And <laughs> it's really amazing. Um, also, Michael B. Jordan's in it, and he's so attractive. <laughs> he's like really. I'm like blushing just thinking about how attractive Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes. He's gonna be on the pod with us next week. Oh just my kidding. god, I would, I would manifesting, die. manifesting, imagine. <laughs> use your imagination. Yeah, use your yeah. imagination. <laughs> All right. Well, I have been Dr. JD Barton, and I have been Dr. Joanna Whitkin. Please, please. Tell a friend about us. We're growing slowly but surely. Hit the subscribe button. Like, rate, 
check us out on YouTube. Yes, check us out on YouTube. And uh, we will see you next week. Until then, keep it real. Psych. No, but but do. But no, do keep it real. Yeah. Keep it real. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.